This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, a part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And I am happy to be back with the OG Bandwagon once again. That's right. The lawyer himself, David Ungar, back by popular demand. That's right. The Reverend himself, the Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 976,222nd, is back again. And Mr. Saturday Night PC Tunney. I know why we're booing PC Tunney. Kids, do you know why we're booing PC Tunney? The audience knows. Ray, do you do you perhaps know why we are booing PC Tunney? Because of his football team? No, 
not correct. Okay. Though you hate to see it, although you do also kind of you love, love to see it. <laughs> if I, that might have been my gif after they lost. Is the uh, the Dave Chappelle? Dave, do you know why the audience is so upset with PC Tony today? Uh, just that smug look on his face. I mean, that's got to be that's something. Good. I mean, it is a smug look, but but that's not it either, gentlemen. Let Tony. Do you know why the the uh, the home the home studio audience is upset? Let's roll the tape. Let's jump into the Wayback Machine, everyone, to January 19th, 2024. The site, X Twitter. The location, PC Tunny's feed, where he wrote, had an absolute blast working with, at It's Ray Cash and at IWC Warchief, hashtag Chairshot NFL, at Phenomenal AJB and at It's Me DPP, fuck that guy, at Podcast DWI. And at Mindless Pod and at Attitude Ag, hashtag Big Four Project. Uh-huh. Find them all on hashtag Chairshot Radio Network. And, and then that's it. Like the website is popped up. Gentlemen, mm. that was done at 9 16 p.m. on January 19th, 2024. What was missing from, from, that, from that thank you? Mm. No, nothing was. Do, 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 do. Let me ask oh, you no. something. No, 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 no. You yeah, don't I'm get to present. Good. I can say whatever I want. You. You can, but then we what? do this. Oh, no, he can't talk. Because <laughs> yeah. we're busy talking about PC Tunny leaving us off. We were then a follow-up tweet, gentlemen. Oh, and don't forget to tune into At Bandwagon Nerds every Monday morning. Where's, there's no with at Attitude Ag. There's no with at Wrestling Realist. There's no with. At it's Ray Cash. You know what there is? An afterthought. So we gentlemen, are, we were the nobody. afterthoughts. No, no, we're I, we were, we're nothing. We were lint. Why are they afterthoughts? I think what Patrick is saying is we're not your side piece, Tony. Just you know, I I would like to ask you guys. I'm just saying. Saturday, Saturday. Absolute what? blast. You had an absolute blast with everyone else. What? We were not an absolute blast. That's what I got. What do Saturday and Sunday make up? Days with S's? The days weekend. ending in days ending in Y. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, I get where he's going here. They make up the weekend. They make up the right. weekend. And as of Thursday during the week, had a blast during the week. This week, this week, this week, had a blast this week. So far, had not done bandwagon nerds yet. And now I don't know if I will be saying I had a blast today or not. <laughs> so let's let's wrap this back because you said the weekend. Hey, gentlemen, when is it generally regarded that the week starts? Yes, but working with no, 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 no. You got to you got to give Monday. your rebuttal. This is the rebuttal Monday. to your rebuttal. The bundle Monday. of your rebuttal. It does not actually. It Sunday. is generally regarded as Sunday, as That's Ray biblically. is nodding. That's Ergo, biblically. and we are a biblically awesome show. Ergo, not, we are the start of the week. Ergo, the flip. that's pancake level flip. Yeah, that's waffle Ergo, level flip. That's good. You should have had an awesome week with us, but clearly we didn't kick your week off good enough. PC Tony had an absolute blast. The dudes that you say on this show, fuck that guy. Like I don't understand. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I, and now I, I got to go I through a show. Looked, I, gotta, I don't think you. I don't think you looked hard enough at all the replies. Oh, I didn't. I don't care about the replies. I, I just oh. I noted you were like, oh, listen to bandwagon nerds. Yeah, um, and then it says and wrestling. As an afterthought. Oh, okay. 
I mean, now you're trying. Now, now, this is like, it's like, baby, baby, I love you, baby. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't see your screen. I, I, please, like, baby, baby, take baby please take me back. I don't, I you know I love you. Well, I, I, I know. I know you know how to find out how what I tweeted. So there you go. Oh, you can man. find it. I'm here for time to get in trouble. That's that. That makes my day. Yeah, yeah it, it makes you. It makes you. Makes you feel. Anyway, we do have. I. I gotta confess, guys. I hate this time of year. Um, in terms of like nerd news, because this is the slowest time of year for us. Uh, really, as we we head into award season, uh, summer summer film trailers uh, don't really hit until Super Bowl Sunday, and we're still a little ways off on that. Uh, so there's just not a lot going on. Uh, this week we are going to talk about Invisible Season Two, Epi- Invincible. I haven't written as Invisible in the rundown, huh? Uh, how about I was like, that? Wow, we got a new show. Um, <laughs> got to get caught up. One I, one I, day shit in under under bandwagons, indivisible. Now it's a math show. How about, now now it's there. Invincible season two, episode two. We're gonna we're gonna we got another robust. We got a robust trailer park, but it's like well, it's a deep cut trailer park. Uh, this is another one of those days where Patrick was kind of sitting around and was like, "Huh, that looks interesting." Huh, Two of them were pretty big, though. You got a Guy Ritchie movie, and then you got the Doc. They're, those are pretty big movies. It was all Netflix, right. wasn't it? A lot of it was Netflix. Uh, I do believe one of them. Oh, maybe well, they all, all five. All five were, yeah. Oh, all right. Hey, because yeah. I so, watched the trailer part today. Go, go right. There you go. A little Netflix tastic. We're gonna talk about yes, uh, some news in the video game world. Uh, before how the yeah, roles I have mean, been reversed. Double turn. What? No. What I really need is for Ray at the at the end of the show to be like had an absolute blast recording bandwagon nerds with that. I, I, I can schedule. I can schedule this week right now. I'll schedule it. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, you know what you did. Anyway, uh, we are going to talk about some <laughs> an interesting little kerfuffle that went around in uh, the video game world, and just talk a little uh, talk about this. Maybe Patrick getting a little old man yells at cloud, and then. We haven't really talked about this, but it's been a part of the entertainment sort of discourse over the last few weeks. And this it's this concept of public domain, as many uh, as many folks know, uh, Mickey Mouse. And I'm going to put that in air quotes in public domain. And so I thought it'd be a good time. We got a lawyer friend here now. It's not necessarily his field of study, but he knows enough that he can help us talk a little bit. But I, I do think it is a worthwhile conversation. Oh, yeah, you. Oh, yeah, you. It's definitely not Ray or Tom. I, I certainly am not a lawyer. I, I can I can turn a phrase. Had a blast talking law with a bunch like of a non-lawyers game. today. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I figured it'd be a fun little conversation to talk about uh, some public domain and what it all really means. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm excited for this episode, and I think it's time to dive right in with Invincible. Season 2, Episode 2. The show of more foundation building. Like... Like I liked this episode, uh, but this was another. This was another. This is a foundation building episode, guys. This is a lot of setting setting the groundwork for things that are coming in the future. Uh, and really, Invincible himself wasn't. He had one moment of something very, very interesting and intriguing that uh, that I think we, we will want to talk about and pay attention to. But a lot of this kind of, in my opinion, the show focused uh, around Eve. And her problems and what she's going on, uh, as well as 
some of the the development of the Guardians, uh, and, and of course, also um, Mom, Invisible's mom, and what she's going through. That that to me really felt like the foundation of today's episode. So, Ray, you weren't here last week, and I know you watched all four episodes mm-hmm. of season two well ahead of when we have. So you you I don't know if you had to go back and rewatch. Um, or if you did anything like that, but I got the recaps up um, to remind me. Okay, good, good move. So why don't you kick us off? Give us some of your initial thoughts of episode two, season two of Invincible. Well, I, 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 I don't, I don't. Mark had a lot in this episode that was important. I just think, and I've seen the two later episodes that will be more important as we go. Um, you know, we got the big fight um and atlantis where he had to get married and you know was like ah no son that ain't for me um and had to but he didn't have to get married that was the best part like the rules had changed yes but but i think that is a microcosm of i think he's starting to see um and some some stuff happened in episode one too how manipulative cecil is because like cecil didn't even give the boy a a heads up he was just like i just need you to go down there and it'll, it'll take care of itself Next thing you know, my boy is is Mr. Fishman. So like, wait a minute. Um, but no, Eve Eve is the the, the takeaway for me because um, this episode really showed, I think, fantastically the negative of having power. And I don't mean from a Omni Man can destroy the world type situation. I mean from the situation of there's a reason you can't do everything. You know, so her wanting to having this super altruistic idealism, which is really good think your superhero is probably part of the gig right everybody can't be brooding batman like you got to have some positivity <clears throat> her wanting to save the world and change everything because she could and then like it was really really interesting to me that you know we've seen so many superhero platforms where everyday people criticize the superhero but a lot of times we look at it as just hating but if you think about the people who were working at the park they're like you don't know what's here ah I got it. Presto changeo. And next thing you know, everybody die. Because you didn't take the time to figure out what was going on. And also, the and, and, and also, if you flip it on the other side, you feel for her because she's been on her own for so long this past year or two, however long it's been in the Invincible uh, world because of her daddy. And then she goes home because she doesn't realize that they broke as hell, so she tries to give him money, not knowing, well, no, she knows how her dad is. And then has to, you know, of course, her dad ain't going to take it. And she has to come back because he told her you was wrong. And she had to come back with a tail between her legs. That story is probably the most interesting thing of the episode besides Mark and Cecil and the stupid Mars man, which I hate personally, but it's becoming a big thing. Um, But I, I, I loved because we've talked enough. I've talked enough with you guys that, you know, I hate OP superpowers, superheroes. It's the reason why me and Superman don't just don't. No, Ray, I had no idea you felt that. Shocked, huh? I know. And Eve is the definition of an overpowered superhero because she can literally do anything. And I appreciated that they this episode kind of put her in check a little bit. And I don't want to say check from a negative standpoint. Just you have you 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 have to know the the limits of your power. And Eve never tested that. She tested how far how far she can go one end. She never looked at the consequences of what she was doing. And, I, and I, so I think this was a was a good episode for that, which uh, clearly she's going to have to play a bigger role in the end. Because as you saw from the episode one, 
and the idea and the and, and all the other worlds that Invincible and Omni Man took over every other damn world except for this one. Something's coming, right? It's got to be. So yeah, we'll start there because I know it's a lot to talk about. Dave, go ahead. Tony is giving the gesture. Well, I, I you know, just in general, uh, I mean, Ray gave a great summary of a lot of stuff going on. This episode to me was really Mark um, dealing with the ramifications and the fallout of what his father had done and trying to clean up that mess as best as he can and being thrust into some very, um, <laughs> very difficult situations. The Atlantis thing being first and foremost, as far as like, you, know, uh, you got to get married. No, you got to fight this de- depth dweller. Um, and then, you know, he ends up saving Atlantis and, and it's all, everything's great and fine and hunky dory and even and sort that sort of thing. Yeah. Debbie's still, I mean, and Mark kind of brushes his mom off a little bit earlier in the episode, but then at the end when she is broken down and just a broken, defeated person, uh, Mark's there for her. So yeah, it, it, I think like, you know, Ray's talking about Eve and I don't know, did anybody watch the uh, prequel uh, episode about Eve that's on, on there as well? I haven't seen that they, yet, but I they, want to. They tried to make me watch it a ton of times and I cut it off every damn time. I know. Don't make me watch it. I'm going to, I mean, I want to watch it after we get to the, you know, the point in this where there's, there may be a break. There may not be. And I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, yeah, Eve, who's kind of like, this is, it's interesting. She's like, this is why I gave up all this superheroing. And the next thing you know, she's repairing Chicago and building a fucking community park with her superpowers. I'm like, you didn't give up anything. Um, The one thing I will say about this episode, the men in this episode are fucking pricks. I mean, they're just horrible yeah. people. Her father is a piece of shit. The uh, guy in the in the house that they're looking to rent is just the biggest chauvinistic, misogynistic douchebag that I've seen in a long time. When you start making the money, then you can make the decisions. Fuck, dude. And I, I like, you know, Debbie well, just it, got. I will say this: it served it served a purpose, though, it right? Like it, it triggered her. To, it was to bring it was yeah. to bring back Debbie's trauma yeah. of Omni Man talking like. Her response is, she's not your pet. Yeah, but and, I, and even, that's and it's exactly how Omni Man viewed her. But he didn't really talk to her that way, did he? I mean, I don't remember Omni Man talking to Debbie. It's no, exactly but, what he said to Invincible. He, no, no, he that, he was a pet. that he was yeah. a pet. Yeah, that part. Yeah. And, and so, sure, he he may not have treated her like a pet, but to hear that that's how he viewed her uh, and to understand that that's trauma and yes. that invalidates what you think is a real relationship. Like you. You know, from her perspective, she, you know, thought he was an upstanding man, a father, a superhero, the, you know, just a wonderful, superpowered, you know, Viltrumite or human uh, until she learns that he's a Viltrumite. And he just shatters all that. Not only does he shatter it, he shits all over it and buries it in the yard. Like, that's he crushes her. That's an interesting kind of trauma to, to, to dig into because... Flipping it to real world situations, imagine a person who's married to a serial killer and never knew, a person who's married to a serial rapist and never knew. And imagine the trauma that person has to be feeling once they figured out, like, how did I not know all these years? How could these lies have been so good? Could I have been blind? Could I have seen it and just ignored it? And Debbie is damn near killing herself going through all this because she's blaming herself for something that clearly she had nothing to do with. But Everybody, everywhere she goes, people are talking about Omni Man and the this and the that, and she can't tell nobody that's her husband. So it's a yeah. I I feel I I feel the trauma. The other thing that I really walked away from this episode, and I think that what this episode and and the episode before have been working really hard to remind you is that 
everyone, every character that you're encountering in this series and that we followed and we know is dealing with some shit in, in the post Omni Man incident in Chicago. And that, you know, the the end of the episode where Mark hugs his mom is very powerful because it finally short sort of wakes his ass up to the fact that, hey, I'm not the only one who's, you know, fucked up and hurting over what happened with my dad. And, and you know, Mark, Mark's been kind of a, a douche for two episodes on this and in sort of his own sort of level of self-absorption uh, and, and trying to escape his own trauma in this desperate need to prove he's not his father. So... I don't know. It's just it's interesting. Tony, jump in. You haven't you haven't commented yet. What do you got? You guys covered a lot of ground. Um, I don't I don't have to re kind of tread any of that. I kind of have a lot of the same uh, beliefs as you guys do. And two things we haven't talked about, though, <clears throat> excuse me. I enjoyed the Darkwing encounter or, or Darkwing's assistant sidekick, whatever you want to say. Um, the, the powers were pretty cool, actually. Um, the, the way that, uh, Darkwing could maneuver in and out of, of the shadow and everything. And then, yeah, we're back to like hardcore multiverses. Here's another one. Like, not only do we end with the one we were starting oh, the, the with, tag, the, but like the shadow verse where he gets stuck in the shadow verse. That was kind of cool. Um, it's interesting what was in there. I wonder if that comes back around and play at some point, but, and then the end when the brain guy, um, comes back and, and says he's going to save him and then bolts and we see what's what's next for uh other dimensional um mark grayson uh there's another there's one other thing and i, I mentioned the the fucking martian dude which is the worst storyline in this whole thing to me because he gets on my fucking nerves but the one thing that i don't know if you guys recognize and there's more behind it as you can clearly tell because i've seen the other two episodes is when debbie sees the dude with the glasses and she's like, oh, shit, Douglas, where you come Douglas. from? Douglas. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Like, that's interesting. And and if I could give some foreshadowing, as the show did, that becomes a bigger thing in the next couple episodes. So look forward to that. Well, they showed him getting yeah. his spine ripped out, you know, and then the next thing you know, wait, how the hell is he still alive? Is he Colson? And it's, it's Colson. And the house outside that he lit was in across the street is still blown up. They have not rebuilt it. Right. And Immortals banging the... Uh, Duplicate sisters. No, <laughs> duplicate in the and, in the and Rex and Rex is pretty bummed. <laughs> and as good as Invincible, yeah, good invincible is, that's how good Invincible <laughs> is. They can make something as silly as that scene still be powerful because she was like the only person who knows how it feels to die as much as I have as him. <laughs> my my boo boos right. could use multiple kisses. <laughs> Rex is one. All of right, guys, since man. since we've moved on to some of the tangential stuff, I do I do have to to call out some of my favorite voice acting uh, moments that I caught um, some names out there. Ben Schwartz as Shapesmith. Um, if, uh, and, and I can't wait for Shapesmith to be completely stupid and worthless uh, or whatever it is that he's going to be. Cause he's totally lying about his origin story, which a, they make a point to point out that I'm he is totally, totally lying normal about his human story. being. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, I'm not an alien at I all. Hate the fucking Martian. Smile. But Ben, but Ben Schwartz. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, I love him as John Raphael from Parks and Rec- Recreation. He is hilarious. He's a complete idiot. He's actually, and he's also the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. He's he's very very talented and very very funny. The he's other in, uh, House of Lies with Don Cheadle and uh, he you know, is in House that, of Lies. That is a great show. 
And, and speaking, and also Kano oh, is on House of Lies. Sorry. sorry. We were talking right. about earlier in the chat, Kano is the other dude. So I'll shut up. I'm sorry. So did everybody catch the other cameo that happened at the beginning of this episode? I've been through like four episodes of Echo on top of this, like all in a row. Okay. So remind so, me, because I just watched Reginald, it. Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Is he like doing the commencement the speech voice, or something? He's, but it's not just that. The name of the principal is Principal Winslow. Oh, nice. As in Carl oh. Winslow. Yes. Who is the principal of the high school reading the things off, giving the speech. So that's dope. That's dope. I, I was sitting there, I was listening to it, and, it was, and I'm like, wait a minute. That sounds like, that sounds it. like Reginald Bell Johnson. And so my one of my favorite low-key things about Amazon Prime is that you can pause it. And it tells you who the actors are that are on the screen or who are doing the voice of whoever. And so it, it makes it makes our job so much easier sometimes. Like, I'm terrible with names. I'm terrible with remember stuff. Amazon is very, very helpful for me pausing to be like, who the fuck is this character and who is the actor playing them? And, and so I was very, very pleased with that. Um, yeah, I just I think that we got a lot of foundation. I think that um, Mark feels a little more secure in his relationship with Amber than it really is. I think we're going to start seeing more cracks coming along there as superheroing under Cecil's uh, direction play, you know, plays its way into his life and kind of prevents him from being able to kind of lead a normal life. And his willingness to drop everything for Cecil right now is also, is, is also very evident in that it's going to cause strain between him and others. So yeah, and earlier in the episode, Cecil tells Debbie that, you know, at least Mark follows orders, you know, and that sort of thing. Right. And then at the end, Cecil's like, you next time I give you an order, follow it. So there's already that friction starting to build. And yeah, Mark's there's friction starting. in both sides there. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask moment, you guys one thing, though. Oh, go ahead. So, like, Ray, you're talking about Shapesmith and the, and the Martians and stuff. So if I'm getting this right, there's a second race of aliens on Mars that have now infiltrated and are leaving the planet and are coming presumably to earth and they're a bigger well, threat than everything else. Remember back in see remember back in season 1 and they put that in the recap right, right. where there was the mission space and and the they're parasitic and then they the way they multiply it's it's very much a pod person scenario here. Okay. Uh, and so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the other thing I, I appreciate about about Invincible is the way that they do continue to have multiple storyline threads sort of floating throughout the, to follow up on and continue. So you have what's going on with Shapeshifter. You've got um, the, the overarching plot with the interdimensional traveler that's now vowing revenge on Invincible and is, is researching every way he can through the multiverse to really just drop the hammer on Invincible. You, you have the return of Reptile King, which Again, nothing nothing is done in this show without purpose. So you don't bring that dude back without an expectation that he's going to be important. Uh, you know, even the earthquake guy, like bringing the earthquake guy back, is like, oh, okay. Um, but the last thing I wanted to point out, and, and I don't know if this is just me overreading it or um, just something that came into play this one time because of where he was. Tony, you talked about that shadow world, that night world, that that Mark goes into. And when Mark confronts um, Darkwing and is trying to bring him down, he goes to a place where he, he, he really dives into, you know, I'm Omni-Man, like where he's very Omni-Man-esque and he loses contact with Cecil or refuses contact with Cecil during that moment. I can't believe that's an accident. I can't believe that's not going to come into play with as part of his own internal conflict. 
Is that what happened, or was he just out of contact in the shadow verse? I I think that with the way that it was brought back, because he had contact and then lost contact, because he goes in and, and he's sort of playing around. He goes because, back and forth, and finally Cecil's like, "Okay, stop playing tourist." When he's back in the shadow world, well, so how did he I, Is it? I don't. I I read it differently. I read it as him just using what Darkwing was saying to him about his father on him, you know, to scare him. That's kind of like he Maybe. you pissed me off. You pissed me off now, and you want to talk cheeky. I can be cheeky while I kick your ass and make you do what I want. That's how I kind of read it. But you opened my eyes to a completely different point of view of way of looking at it. To be yeah. honest with you, and the man who knows is sitting down there in the lower right hand corner being quiet. So. Talk about his smug looks on faces. Look at Ray. Ray. He's not being. Well, I mean, look at the Ravens haven't lost in like decades. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the the, one, maybe one of the smaller overarching things all season will realize is, and it was heavy handed in episode one, but it's going to be very, very, I think, you know, kind of in the background rest of the season is Mark. A, the apple didn't far too fall too far from the tree. Right. Like I think, and I think that's what something like that was showing is that he's still his you. father's son. Yeah. So, all right, we are going to uh, wrap our talk on Invincible season two, episode two, and head into our first commercial break. We come back a Netflix loaded round of the trailer park. You are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network, a part of the chair This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com bringing you breaking news interviews podcasts galore everything progressing make sure you check it out thechairshot.com welcome back into the bandwagon that's right you are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chairshot radio network a part of the chairshot.com patrick o'dowd pc tunny raymond s cashington the 900, and I lost track. I didn't write the number down. 922nd, yeah. actually, what you said, but I'm sure some has died. There's a the thousand meantime. involved. And, uh, I think I, you, you may have procreated. You don't know. Uh, and the lawyer himself, David Ongar, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shop for all of your chair shot swag needs. 1999 for a tee. Spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your giblets will thank you. And remember, if you purchase the next bandwagon nerds tell t-shirt and you know greg demarco tells us we will publicly thank you on these internet airwaves i need to bug greg about that because i know nobody's buying our shirt but somebody somebody's gonna buy our shirt god damn it and we're gonna thank them we're gonna thank them by god but today is not that day today sit your ass, sit your ass down while we thank you <laughs> right and you will appreciate the thanks i'm gonna give your address out Oh, no, I'm not. Flat's going to come to your Ray, house. Ray was like on board, then all of a sudden he's like, hold up now. Wait, 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 what are we can a good conscience agree to that one? <laughs> we're going to kidnap you, but we're going to have you back for dinner. <laughs> Whatever. We got Dave. He's a lawyer. He'll protect us. 
uh, somehow, some way. Uh, yeah, about Plausible that. Deniable. Anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> Attorney-client privilege, sir. That's, that is that true. true. You know, I had an absolute blast recording Bandwagon Nerds with Pat Attitude Ag <laughs> at District Cash here on Sunday. And I've had so much fun. We're going to jump into the trailer park. But before we can do that, oh, we got to get some banjos. So, Dave, play that beautiful banjo. You know, as we I, stand here in the trailer park and we have this Netflix centric. Oh, what? You, what? Sorry, what's? Do you hear that? Do you hear that? I can. Can you hear uh, what we're? It's like. It's funny that you dropped that because I, I was. You know, it would be delightful is if we could find like a banjo playing the Tadun. Oh, that would be cool. Kind of. I don't know how it would sound. It probably wouldn't be very exciting, but like that is the theme today. It would almost have to have like oh, a. Little, no. It would have to have a brief six to eight second like banjo riff that leads into that. Ray, put the fucking banjo away, Ray. <laughs> you know better. Pop. I've been praising you today. This is oh, you guys. I tell you, I'm a child. You know. Oh, this. I do. We have a you potpourri can, of trailers today, can, by the way, guys. You can pretend raise a face all you want, but in the end, by the end of the show, I'm Randy Orton. I am who I am, man. But <laughs> people I mean, just like me sometimes. You say this to the number one chair shot villain, uh, like, like this, like I never stop healing. Like that's just what I do. Um, and also, I would like it noted, Dave, not the first person to bring up a wrestling reference. Today. Is that like a journey song? Don't stop healing. <laughs> No, it's more like it's more like Patrick walks around singing. Ah, I'm stuck on a healing. <laughs> oh man, I really opened up the wrong can of worms for this trailer park. All right, let's get to it though. We are we are doing a very Netflix centric trailer park this week. Some of these are a little bit older, came out a, a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't cover them just yet. Uh, what a couple of them have had teaser trailers, but not full trailers yet. Uh, and so we held off on the teaser trailer and we're doing the full trailer uh, specifically for the last two that we're going to talk about. But we got everything. We've got a do- we've got documentaries. We've got animation. We've got some science fiction. There's a lot going on here. And we got some action, as Tony noted. We, we even got Guy Ritchie. So a little bit of everything. But we're going to start with the documentary. And I- I'm going to say this purely as a child of the 80s. And Dave, purely as an older child of the 80s, and Tony as a child of the 80s and into the 90s, and Ray, who wasn't even born yet. 88? Uh, what are we doing? Well, 80, were you alive in 83? In my mom's part. Right. Yes. You, were, you were an egg. Yeah, uh, in, you were in your in mom's somewhere, Ray, but uh, we're not going <laughs> to. Ray was Wait an egg a minute. Ovary. The problem was, Ray, you weren't just in your mom at that time. You were also still in your dad. 
We are uh, actually probably so not created in his dad yet, given the lifespan of those little guys. Ooh, None yeah. of that is here nor there. What I would like to do is talk. And this is the reason why I have. All right, we're we're moving on. We're we're moving away. Hey, were you born by conversation? Oh, gee. Um, this segment is uh, is so dead right now. Oh my god, you guys have killed the segment. Anyway, back to the trailer park. Netflix put out a trailer for a documentary uh, about We Are the World. And kids, for those of you who don't know, in the 80s, popular music went through this like phase where they did the benefit concert times a million, where we had things like Live Aid. Uh, we had a country version called Farm Aid. Uh, but the other thing that was really big in the 80s, for some reason, and I don't know why, was the benefit song where we would have a record producer, usually David Geffen, who would be like, hey, let's get a bajillion popular music stars together, have them work together, record a tune that was generally unbelievably cheesy and sappy and sell it and turn the proceeds into a way to benefit starving people somewhere, generally Africa. Uh, And in this case, we brought together 46 pop stars to produce We Are the World. And this song was one you could not escape when it came out in the 80s. Like it was played, and the video was just all of these super famous pop stars from the 80s in a studio singing. And, and there were, you know, whether it was Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, Cindy Lauper, Steve Perry, like. Everybody who was anybody in Bruce, the 80s was, was on here. Springsteen Turner. Stevie Wonder. Uh, uh, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan Bob, was on this Bob Dylan, yeah. And for me, it's funny because the only thing I ever remember from the music video itself was for some reason Cindy Lauper because I thought it was like she did the half. She did like the half headset thing. So like she had the headset over one ear but then had it out like this and was doing her thing. Uh, Eddie Murphy is famous for for mocking the Stevie Wonder head bob, but you definitely Stevie Wonder is head bobbing with his uh, with his braids. It was a crazy thing, and this documentary is a breakdown of, of how that that song came together. And apparently, and I didn't know this until I watched this trailer, it was done in one night. Uh, that they brought forty six uber top of the top popular uh, stars from the eighties to record a tune in one night. Uh, Dave, you were probably the most alive and remembering of this at the time. Uh, <laughs> Dave, tell us about how. Tell us more. <laughs> exactly. What is this? This is '88, right? I was alive, but you know my sobriety level it leaves a lot to be desired in 1988. Um, yeah. Now, do they know it's Christmas came out first? Right. That was a few years earlier. That was kind of the first attempt. Yeah, we know the-, the world came out in '85. By the way, Band Aid did it in '84 in Europe. And then okay. Canada, Canada also did like a Northern Lights thing. There was there was a bunch of them at the so same like, time. Yeah. So like you're saying, Pat, they were they were dabbling. This was kind of the second attempt at doing something along those lines. And and I think arguably we are the world is eh, maybe the better one. The other one's really good as well. Yeah. I mean, I, no, I, I do they know it's Christmas is fucking horrible. It is so patronizing. It is so insulting as a song. Like if you go back and listen to listen to it it's really insulting the lineup was good i mean the lineup was solid. the lineup is great like george michael was there yeah. you know um 
I mean, I remember this going on. I, you know, it's 1985. I'm obviously listening to a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff that's not falling in. I mean, they weren't inviting Metallica to uh, "We Are the World," that's for sure. So, um, I mean, yeah. I remember it going on. I, and, not not at that point of their career. No, not at that point in that career. It's like a master <laughs> of what the fuck are we talking about? Um, yeah, I I mean, it was a big deal. I remember they just this amazing collection of talent now i did not have any idea till you shared this trailer that they pulled this shit off in one night that's that is that's remarkable impressive. to get a song that's See, that solid i mean it's not one of my favorites obviously but it's a solid song and all these eclectic personalities i mean you got fucking egos out the wazoo <laughs> in that i room. think the biggest the biggest story of it, and I think it's Billy Joel, performed in somewhere near London and then flew over the Atlantic on a Concord to make it in time to do join in on it. That's that's saying something. I mean, I think the documentary is also going to focus a lot on the song is one thing, but the cause that they were actually recording for is 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 discussed in more detail. And you know, did this make any sort I of sure difference? Hope so it's like, did this make any difference in the grand scheme of things? I think it probably did, at least temporarily. But yeah, I mean, it is a who's who of talent in that room for one night. You can't I don't think they've ever put more talent in one space in one night than what you got here. So I, I'm curious to look at this. You know, I haven't thought about We Are the World in many, many years, but I'm definitely in, intrigued. They've got my attention immediately. Like, how'd they pull this off in one night? That's that's remarkable. So I'm I'm intrigued to for, watch this one. Real quick, I want to I want to let Ray go, but I want to ask Ray a question first. Uh, in the midst of the trailer, there's a sign, little little eight by Which eleven piece door. of paper yeah. that says "Check your egos, egos at the door." Did it work? Yes, it did, because it wouldn't have got it through the, that that night. The, the the one person who had an ego all night was the only person who deserved to have an ego, and that's Mike, because it was Michael's song. He wrote the song, he arranged the song, and I'm, no dis no disrespect to Quincy and to uh, Lionel, Lionel, but Michael was the catalyst for the musical thing. Couple things I want to touch on. Number one, um, yes, Dave, it did fantastic help because it was the highest grossing s- single ever until like the mid two thousand. Um, it was for AIDS for Africa, and uh, we'd be remiss if we did not mention that Harry Belafonte was the person who wanted to do this, and he was right. the one who went to Quincy and was like, "Let's figure this out." And Quincy come, yeah, rest in peace, yeah, oh, the legend, the legend of all legends, Harry Belafonte. Um, I also believe because, like, I this is one of those songs and moments that like I'm obsessed with. I've looked up and researched a thousand times. I, I'm pre- I'm 99% sure it's this one and not. The other one that tried to do that was trash. But the reason they were able to get everybody in there at the same time was because it was either the night after or before the Grammys and everybody was in town. That's the only reason they could get it done. I, yeah, I I can't wait to I actually I'm looking forward to watching this documentary. I need to I got it on my to do list to watch. And then I still have to watch the uh, the 40th, uh, the Thriller 40 uh, documentary that's on. I think it's on Paramount Plus um, if you have the Showtime add yeah. on Plus uh, because both of those. Uh, are are huge but yeah i think it'll be really interesting to see how it worked out i think it's an interesting time capsule into what popular music was doing back then because the benefit festival and the benefit concert and the benefit song were were for lack of better it was a big big thing that that artists were doing it was probably big business i can't you know i'm not saying that it wasn't altruistic and that there wasn't you know good intent um but it, you know, that's it was also something that was very, very marketable. 
I just hate that. I just hate that Mike isn't here to be interviewed for this for one particular reason. The best part of the song and the video is when I believe it's Tom Petty or Steve Perry, one of the two guys. Him and Cindy Lauper have their part, and Mike just stops and looks at him like, "What the fuck are you doing?" (laughs) That is by far the best part of the video of us. Probably Bob Bob Dylan or no? It was it was it was was Steve Perry. You, you can't understand Bob Dylan when he sings, That's so true. like I don't think it would. Alright, everybody's done their... All right, Tony, Tony, do your Bob Dylan impersonation real quick so that everybody's got it out did. of the system. I just all did. Right, I didn't hear it. Um, by the way, one of the greatest uh, Saturday Night Live skits of all time, uh, Bob <laughs> Dylan. But no, no, no. It's uh, Bob Dylan and um, Tom Petty and Keith Richards. Back in like the midnight, because uh, David Spade is doing Tom Petty. It's hilarious. It's it's one of the best things ever. As they try to do the news. All right, we got to move on. We got some other trailers that we want to talk about. This one I'm going to put on. This one that I put up next. I, I didn't even get to go. Oh, well, you don't enjoy recording with us, so we just not. <laughs> you like how it just keeps coming back. It uh, is. That's fantastic. It, no, no, no. Gotta, by all means, go. I got a. I got a memory like an elephant. Huey Lewis, by the way. Let's Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis. No, you know, the, the the only thing, this isn't out yet, right? No, it comes out at the end of the month, I think, or okay. maybe in March. So I, I am lucky enough to have a really great morning show where I live, um, and they have a great music guy from Detroit called Gary Graff, who has covered tons of things. If you can ever check out his column or anything he does, he's excellent. Uh, covers multiple genres of music. And he brought up the fact that Lionel Richie said that you couldn't do this nowadays because all the song, all the singers today sound the same and you wouldn't be able to tell people apart. And Gary Graff, who's been covering music for 40 years, said to me, that sounds like old man yelling at cloud. That's 1000 percent old man. Can, yelling. At can cloud. I speak to that real fast? Just one real fast. I know the world doesn't like to give hip hop their thing. But you remember when they redid what's going on? Like in yep. what was it, 2007, when they was like rapping the shit around the eyes, and it had like 20 singers and like 10 rappers. Yeah, that's some bullshit. What he's talking. About. Yeah, I um, yeah, that's I agree with your your uh, your DJ. That is uh, that is absurd and laughable, and it's like the it's like the old man argument that only that that every artist uses auto tune these days. Like it's just bullshit. So it's it's a great way though to. If you're from that genre and you really want to start to get under the skin of younger people that may not know who everybody is, then they'll go, oh, this guy's full of shit. Let me go check this out. I, I know we have a ton to talk about, but can I ask one question, Patrick? We can make it real sure. fast. If you had to pick one artist to redo something like that in 2024, who would be the guy that you would pick to lead and arrange it? My oh, pick right now is Dave Grohl. Okay. Dave I Grohl, it depends, on, it, depends on the, it depends on the genre and how you want to do it. Like, I think they could do I could also, Well, but what I'm saying, because I would argue that John Legend could do it as well. Uh, and okay, here you know why? Uh, listen to the album "Wake Up" and and come back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wake you're up right, is, you're right, is, you're right, you're right. Yeah, he's what we're on music. John Elton John became a egot, by the way. Shout out to uh, Elton John. Yes, he did. Winning, yeah. winning an for and then I would I wouldn't pick a guy. I'd pick a girl to do it. Ray, I'd pick Lady Gaga. To lead, I'm saying to lead and arrange it. Uh, okay, maybe the answer yeah, should be Kanye it. if he was in his right mind, because Kanye will be the guy <laughs> who get every single genre together. Uh, did you hear that right, sentence we, together? I did, and we're we're now going to move on though. We gotta we gotta move on. We gotta move on to the next topic. Uh, I, I 
when genuinely I knew we would talk about the greatest night in pop, which by the way, that's the name of the documentary is the greatest night in pop. We, we failed to mention that part. Uh, sometimes I, I share a trailer with you guys because it's just kind of bonkers and I love how bonkers it is. And here we go. There is a, there's a, there's a game out there. It's a tabletop game that you can go out and play. Dave's nodding. Cause Dave is, is big into some of the tabletop sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not just dungeons and dragons out there called exploding kittens. Now this is a game that I've always wanted to play and I've never had the opportunity to play here. It's a great deal of fun. Clearly it is because Netflix put out and got the rights to an animated series based on this, based on this, it's a, is it a card game? It's a tabletop card game. It's a tabletop card game. And first of all, I know very little other than we saw a, a cat who claims to be God and a cat that claims to be Satan. Uh, in this trailer and just a lot of weird shit going down the voice casts that are announced at this point you have names like lucy Liu and tom ellis as well as ali mckee or maki maki uh sashir zamata abraham lim and david gabori i don't know if these characters exist in exploding kittens i know nothing about it i just know that this trailer was over the top and looks like the type of adult level animation that I want to watch and just laugh my ass off at. As you go, I loved. There's a moment where a garage door is going down, and this cat is like, "Stop dropping your force barrier to prevent me from going." It, it cracked me up every time. So, Dave, as the person who seems to be familiar with this game, and not because you're old like we had in the last trailer, um, your thoughts on this exploding kittens? Cartoon. And will we see kittens explode? Like, do kittens explode well, in the game Exploding Kittens? Like, I, what know, happens here? I have not played this one, although I know it's kind of along the Cards Against Humanity ilk of things, but I will read the description of the game. Tony, you played it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll read the description. On oh, board. well, then let's go to Tony. Yeah, let's let Tony talk. Go to you time. first, Tony. Yeah, Tony. You, you, draw, you draw cards until someone draws the Exploding Kitten, and they explode, and they're out. And then you get things that can kind of, like... Like you can get a diffuse card, which automatically stops the bomb from going off. Or depending on what type it is, you can have different things that can like slowly diffuse the bomb to give you more time. So it's it's a fun it's you drink, too. And it it is like Cards Against Humanity without like the, you know, personal uh, uh, finding out finding out how sick people are, sick people's sense of humor is. Yes, inviting people to, to, to delve into the darkest resources right. of their id. It's got, correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, it's got elements of the game that allow you to kind of peek into the deck to see where the exploding kitten is, rearrange it, so you can avoid being the, the one who gets left right. out. Yeah, all, all, all the cards support different angles of how you can play the game is the best way to put it, right? You know, it's it's a... It, there's there's so many different fast like there's different ways to avoid a ki- the basically thing you want to do is avoid drawing an exploding kitten card right and there's different ways so, to try to avoid that or once you draw it to diffuse it so with that fundamental understanding of the game down what did you think of this animated trailer uh, of oh, this bonkers I mean, ass looking cartoon yeah sure like it's 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 more about the cat God that that's what this is about, you know, and it's like exploring its own creation. Basically look at, he's like, Oh, and I made bees and I gave him uh swords for tails, you know, or for butts swords for butts. He says, um, right, right, right. This looks fucking hilarious. You guys like, but then again, Netflix has done a really good job. What's the Matt Grenning thing that they also have on there with the, um, Satan. Oh, with, uh, 
dysfunctional or something like that. Dysfunction. I'd have to look it up, but I'll, um, I'll find. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. I you, think I know what you're talking. Disenchanted. Disenchanted. There you go. So yeah. go ahead, Dave. Cool. Finish Ray, Ray or Ray, like Ray or Dave. Yeah. I mean, somebody I'll turn it over to Ray, but I mean, just the fact how they've turned this game into an animated series is, um, it's like wow, they can do anything with any source material now. I mean, we always criticize the lack of vision from Hollywood. Everything's a reboot. Everything's a remake. And then you get Netflix doing something like this. And it's like, it gives you kind of hope. It's like, wow, they're really like going out on a limb with some property that wouldn't seem amenable to a, an animated series, but okay, let's roll with this thing. Well, th- this isn't the first time maybe, maybe as something as obscure as this game, maybe, but like, you know, they, all they need is they take a lot of these things as kind of inspiration and just use the game or the name as kind of like background filler and to completely make everything else up and have like one thing about the show that relates to the game or whatever. This isn't the first time I've done it. Um, I will say this. Yeah, there was a couple of chuckles I had. Not something I see myself watching, but I thought the same about the Ted show and I haven't watched any of it yet, but I've seen tons of clips and every single clip of that show has had me like rolling. So maybe People this is something I need to check. Ted, yeah. Yeah, people man, got kind of nuts for Ted, so yeah, I yeah, I I don't know if this will be like a first watch for me, but it'll definitely be something that makes the queue and, and gets gets up on that list to, to check out. And, and Tony has got a big thumbs up, very enthusiastic. He, he enjoyed the trailer thoroughly. All right, let's move on to our next Netflix series, going in a completely different direction. The Guy Ritchie led series, not movie series, The Gentleman. Uh, the basic storyline that I can see here on my good friends at IMDb. Uh, this story follows the character of Eddie Halstead, who inherits a large estate from his father, unaware that it fronts Pearson's drug empire. With no crime experience, he must take over the operation or lose the estate. Um, let's talk bonkers trailers. A lot of bonkers stuff going on with this in that Guy Ritchie style uh, of just slick looking violence. You know, and here's the thing is I'm a guy who is well known for um ragging on directors and producers who who kind of have a thing and sort of stick to their thing um guy Ritchie is definitely one of those people who has a thing and sticks to a thing and does it and it works for him very well i hate Zack snyder but Zack snyder has a thing it works for him and he he knows what he does and he does it well and his audience will watch it um that all of that being said Looks like a kind of fun time, guys. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of guns, and it sounds like there's going to be drugs involved, and there's some fun shit happening. I might be in. I might be in. If you Ray, like, are you in? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. If you like sharp-dressed British dudes who like to cuss, drink, shoot people, and look cool doing it, with a lot of smoke in the air just because smoke is there, y'all, you talk about your boy Zack Snyder and the slow motion in a Guy Ritchie movie, it's a ton of smoke. It's going to be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, it looks fun. It was cool. And the irony is, I wasn't. I didn't. I had never watched a ton of Guy Ritchie movies in my lifetime that I can remember. The director of my department is like the biggest Guy Ritchie fan and had been putting us on to Guy Ritchie movies the past two, three months. So now I'm ready. I'm in. So yeah, yeah. Sign me up, Dave. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Yeah. It looks fun. I think Ray's description is really good. You know. Sharply dressed British guys, guns, smoke, you know, there's probably some cocaine in there as, as well. And, you know, you can't go wrong with that. So I, it looks like a fun time. I mean, that's, 
the, the series looks like a fun time, Tony. That's what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I, I agree with Ray. This one looks like one that's going to be worth checking out and it looks crazy enough to, um, to get my attention. And I'm curious to see how his cinematography works in a series. That's interesting to me. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that how that how that plays. Tony, what about you? Where are you on the Guy Ritchie and in particular the gentleman front? This looks fun. Um, I'm interested to see how he does a, a, a series. Um, I, I like one of the favorite one of my favorite things about the um, trailer was they say, "Oh, like the the English are the original gangsters or whatever," you know, something like that is one of their premises to it. Um, I'll tell you this. Not only are they two Guy Ritchie movies, but they're two of my favorite movies all time um, in my top 50. Um, and if this is anything like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch, sign me the fuck up because those Snatch. are brilliant fucking movies. And if you haven't seen either of them, you need to watch them. They're two of his finest works, whether you like them or not. Yeah, I, uh, I like Lock, Stock a lot. It's oh, very great I own it. Snatch, Snatch, I like a little less than than Lockstock. I prefer Lockstock over Snatch, but that's would, just um, me. Would you say you're you actually can prove that you like something if you actually own a physical version of something nowadays? Well, that's yeah. a that's a conversation for after the second break. We're going to get to that. Oh, sorry. But uh, yes, oh. I agree. Foreshadowing. Uh, a little bit of foreshadowing. It's not entirely physical media, but. Uh, yeah, we are we are going to make our way to our next uh, next Netflix trailer. This was one that Dave shared with all of us. And, and I want to start with every time Adam Sandler puts forward a movie where he's going to be a serious actor. Speak on questions, it. What? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I was, that was that was Black Church. I was like saying speak on it. Oh, oh, OK. I was like, what, what I, happened? Hyping you up. Hyping you up. Um, Every time Adam Sandler tries to do a serious film, this reminds me a lot of when um, Jim Carrey would try to do a serious film. It instantly doesn't get taken seriously by critics. So I'll be very interested to see how Spaceman gets reviewed. And I want to share with you the piss poor description that IMDb gives us for what Spaceman is about versus the trailer that we watched. Jacob Brzezaka. Orphaned as a boy and raised in the Czech countryside by his grandparents, overcomes his odds to become the country's first astronaut. That is certainly a couple of sentences to describe the trailer that we just watched, in which Adam Sandler, like I love, like the disgusted shake of the head from Dave and Ray. They're like, come on. Here's the thing. Maybe that's the description IMDb was given before a trailer came about and they knew anything about the movie other than what was told to them. But what is fascinating about this film is this is clearly a surreal exploration into a man's mind while in space, apparently being spoken to spoken to by an alien spider voiced by Paul Dano while he dreams of his wife played by Carrie Mulligan <laughs> and all of these fantastical sequences alongside a commanding voice that a commander voice that is played by Isabella Rossellini, like there's some shit going on in this trailer, fellas. It's just just when you thought Paul Dano couldn't play a weirder, creepier role and execute it in an awesome way than the Riddler, he comes along and redefines what it means to be a gigantic spider in outer space. Hannes, its name is or Hannes or Hannes. I I don't Whatever. remember what the pronoun is. The name like, of the spider now is Paul Dano, by the way. Yeah, 
these last two trailers that we're going to talk about tell you so much and so little that I'm like, I'm kind of compelled to watch them because I'm like, I don't know what I'm seeing, but I kind of want to understand it. And that's, that's where I'm here. Like there's clearly something about uh, isolation and loneliness and longing. There's clearly something about his relationship with Carrie Mulligan, which it's been a minute since I've seen Carrie Mulligan in a film uh, that I've been like kind of interested in. This it's a it's a festival film. It's going to be playing at one of the festivals. I can't remember which one I saw. It's going to be playing at, but um, yeah, there's a lot going on here, Tony. There's a lot going on. I think Adam Sandler found this idea in the Beyond section when he was doing the movie Click, and he just kept it with him for a while. Um, whatever, Ray. I, I had that one saved up. I, caught, I thought of that one on the fly. Um, insect, get it? Fly, spider. Um, this is creepy as fuck, man. There's going to be parts of this movie if you go sit in the movie theater and they're going to be in the spaceship where Adam Sandler hasn't realized that this thing isn't there to like hurt him right away. But I'm not sure how, what this relationship actually is. Um, and it seems like in the end, it's just going to be like it was a dream or something. So I, I think this one would just piss me off. So I'm going to avoid it. Uh, Dave, are you going to avoid it? Uh, probably not since i shared it i must be sort of interested in this thing you know which project was it where we were doing like horror movies or sci-fi movies and i know i talked about the movie moon with uh uh god mm-hmm. damn who's in that sam worthington or sam no? rockwell dude. sam rockwell god sam damn rockwell. I got him. so that what it feels kind of like that like adam sandler's on this ship and he's missing his wife and then he starts is this area? I mean, it looks like Aragog from Harry Potter, the spider, you know, same look, same sort of dim- not dimensions, but um, is it real? Is it his conscious? What's really going on? Is he losing his mind? There's, I know as the trailer expands, there's concern about, is he losing his mind? What's going on up there? That sort of thing. So um, yeah, it looks it, like you're saying, Pat, whenever Adam Sandler goes down the serious role, uh, it's, it's really hit and miss. So it, it does look very interesting. And like you, it's like, I want to know what's going on more with this trailer. Like what exactly is happening? And is this, is this space sci- spider and alien race or is it all in his head? I do Don't. think, um, I do think Adam Sandler gets maligned unfairly for his series. Punch Drunk Love is a very good film. It's terrific. He's amazing in Punch Drunk Love. He's amazing in uh, Love, Rain Over Me. He's, uh, or Uncut Rain Over Gems. Me, or whatever. The, Every, uncut gems, uncut gems. Yeah. Like, like, look, Adam Sandler is the white Denzel when he wants to be serious. What's the um? What's the movie he did with? Uh, oh God, the one where he nearly—it's with him and Tia Leone, um, and the housekeeper um, that he uh, nearly has an affair with. Uh, oh God, what is it? Uh, I'm losing. I can't remember what it's called, but it was really good. It was really, really good. Like, oh, it's, Happy it's, Gilmore. Like he's, was it? Was it? Was it Happy Gilmore? No, it's not Spanglish. Happening. Spanglish, yes. Spanglish was um What's the one he's in with Don Cheadle? Best friend or that's something? That's uh that's the one I was saying where he sings Love Rain Over Me by uh the Who over and over and over again. Um anyway, yeah. Ray, you were about to talk about this film. Tell us what yes. you got what what you have on this. So I I'll stand on I'll, I'll be glad to stand on the soapbox by myself. I love I, I love serious Adam Sandler. Jim Carrey I I don't I don't not love serious Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah, I but I know the critics don't. I know yeah. a lot of critics don't. I know he won them over with Uncut Gems, but Uncut Gems and Punch Drunk Love, nobody can really say anything about that. The other ones tend to get criticism. I love his dramatic acting um, to the point where I think if he did it seriously, he'd have an Oscar. I think he's that talented. 
and maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't know. But with that being said, you're putting a ton of my favorite things together. Number one, psychological thrillers. Very clear this is a psychological component to this because I I believe he's dead the whole time. And this is just his subconscious seeing this. I don't know. Um, the, uh, some, some form of a disaster movie. Clearly something bad is happening in space. And then you got the goat, Adam Sandler. I'm here for it. I'm, if it was in theaters, I'd go watch it and spend my money. Like I am, when I saw this, the first 20 seconds, I was so hyped, and I'm I'm so I'm so here for it. I'm so ready for it. The trailer looks dope, and I I love that old Jim Ross adage: when you leave more questions than answers, it's a good thing. That trailer made us have a million questions that can only be answered if we watch the movie. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100. By the way, that movie with Don Cheadle uh, is titled "Rain Over Me." Um, so I uh, I got that one right. So go me. Um, yeah, I think this is going to look good. I, I think it, it is. It's it's going to push some boundaries. And I, I think that's the thing that I'm really interested in is that uh, I will say to defend uh, or to stick up for IMDb. I was a little hard. If you scroll down, it does have a more detailed storyline description. Oh, was that the, was that the byline? Movie. That was just the byline you read? Well, yeah, it was. um because when a dangerous solo mission to Venus offers him both a chance at hero- the heroism he's dreamt of and a way to atone for his father's sins as a communist informer, he ventures boldly into the vast unknown. But in so doing, he leaves behind his devoted wife, Lenka, whose love he realizes too late he has sacrificed on the altar of his ambitions. Alone in deep space, Jacob discovers a possibly imaginary giant alien spider who becomes his unlikely companion. Over philosophical conversations about the nature of love, life, and death, and the deliciousness of bacon, the pair form an intense emotional bond. Will it be enough to see Jacob through a clash with secret Russian rivals and return him safely to Earth for a second chance with Lincoln? Who knows? We shall see. Give it to me. What's the what's the spin? I, it'll be very insignificant. But what's the spin going to be on why we got to get the Venus? Because Venus is nothing we need. Who knows? I I I don't want to pretend to understand. I can give um, you the answer because that's what fucking yeah. Earth does. We go look for shit we don't need. Well, I mean, unless you can figure out how to reflect a whole ton of solar radiation, there's nothing for us to do over on Venus. The aliens, Fair Tony. They're, right. they're going to show us how to do. It. Don't worry about. It. Yeah, the aliens will show us the way. Um, but before they show us the way, we're going to get even weirder with our last trailer. Uh, another <laughs> series coming to you from Netflix titled Three Body Problem. Now, I'm going to share with you. First of all, this comes from the creators of Game of Thrones. So if you're a Game of Thrones fan, that might perk you up right away. Um, at least get you semi-interested. Tony is already waving it off. Um, if that doesn't get it, one of my favorite actors going right now is in this series in benedict wong yes you can get wonger wongers is on this in this and series he's the lead. Let's say now. well now according to this now this is what's interesting is netflix a imdb and netflix has this down for eight episodes he's only listed for three of them um in this so it may be a bait and switch in the sense of we are using benedict wong as somebody that fans know mm-hmm. In a way to perhaps bring in the eye. Drew Barrymore. Basically, Drew Barrymore. Kind of like Drew Barrymore on screen. Because the actors that have the, the most number of episodes at the top are Marlo Kelly, Samaru Samani, 
and Jess Hong. They are in for the full eight-episode run. Hmm. Also of note, uh, speaking of actors that you might remember, also uh, Game of Thrones actors, Liam Cunningham, uh, The Onion Knight, is in this film. John Bradley, who you will remember as, um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name, uh, Jon Snow's best friend that he sends off to do the research and become Sam? a, a maester. Sam, yeah. yeah Sam. Plays Sam. And Sam isn't, Tunnel, the lady, isn't the main main lady in the trailer, isn't that Eliza Gonzalez? Um, I don't see her if she is. I'm looking at the whole cast right now. I'm like, kind of okay. doing a, I see, um, I see Rosalind, Rosalind Chow, uh, Sia Shimuka. Oh yeah. Elza, Eliza uh, Gonzalez. There she is. She's also okay. only in three episodes. So it's a bait and switch, like you said, and which is more because so, it got us. So getting some names out there that you'd be excited to see. This is based on a graphic a graphic novel or a comic series um, to start with. And the basic premise and storyline that you see in the trailer is that there is this countdown that is only being seen by scientists. And when the countdown runs out, they die. Uh, it is later towards the end of this trailer that you see it has something to do with an alien civilization making first contact and that possibly um, humanity is maybe in danger of invasion or some other sort of problem or issue that could, um, that, that, that could be threatening the very existence of humanity. It's set against the backdrop of China's cultural revolution. Uh, I love weird series, deep thinking sci-fi stuff. We'll, We'll talk about this. Uh, when we get into our um, what you're watching, because I'm re-watching something that's very similar to this, of just um, things that are very like very much full of mystery and intrigue and make you think. And I think that's what we're going to see here. This is a suspenseful science fiction um, series centered around what appears to be an alien invasion. I'm in on this. Tunny has already shaken and said no. So I'm going to go to David Ungar uh, to talk about this one. What did you think of this trailer? And does it does it hold any interest for you? It's fascinating. The trailer's fascinating, and I'm like reading the summary of the three, or I guess it's what is it, Remembrance of Earth's Past trilogy. Um, China, Chinese science fiction author who did this thing, and, the, and you're, like you're saying, in the midst of China's cultural revolution or whatever you want to call it, that this came out, and and that it's all based on that. Yeah, this sounds like you know, I mean. <laughs> You don't go a day now without hearing something about UAPs or alien technology or or some sort of extraterrestrial, extradimensional origin of something out there that's bleeding into us and some sort of disclosure coming somewhere. So, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more shows, series, movies like this and 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 anything that's, you know, going to kind of explain that or put that in a way that, you know, years ago seemed, oh, that's so far fetched and fantastical. Now they put this stuff out and you're like, hmm. <laughs> things that make you go, hmm, I wonder what's going on. So it does look like a really interesting, uh, interesting show, interesting premise. I know a lot of the people online are, it, it's it's kind of like Wheel of Time-ish that they're wondering, will this series do the books justice? You know, are they going to stray from the source material so radically that it just sucks? So from my standpoint, it looks, it looks really interesting. I'm in, I want to see what's out. Wongers is in it for however many episodes that that's, that's all you had to tell me right there. Ray, I'm I'm almost disappointed that it has a source material because it's such a weird premise of a story. I mean, how many Chinese science fiction authors are there really out there? Yeah, so that's. Um, 
yeah, I was gonna say the dude that wrote Snowpiercer, but he's not a he's not a book writer. He's not a no, he's not a novelist. He's just a screenwriter. Um, Byung Hung Kim is that his name? Byung Byung uh, Apparently, the book's been around for a while. Uh, so 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 the trailer looks very very dope. It has all of the perfect things you want in a sci-fi trailer. It's weird. It's cool. It has some stuff that you've never seen before. It has some, your tropes that you have seen. So I'm interested in that. Like, a, but the, the but my point about almost wishing it was wasn't um wasn't source material because like so the way I see the way the way my mind goes when I see trailers like this is I try to relate it to things I've seen before, the things that it looks like. So when I see the the countdown clock, I think of in time. When I see the turn, put on the helmet to go somewhere else. I think I see Westworld. Like I see a lot of things that matches up, and I'm in, I'm intrigued in where someone could go with that. But while it is great to adapt something that is already written, especially for those who are fans of it already, it almost puts you in a box. You know what I mean? Maybe it just depends on how far they're willing to stray from the source material. So I mean. But if they do, yours to yourself, Dave. Yeah, the, the fan base the is gonna have a fan problem. Fan base with will it. shit all over. Wheel of time. <laughs> oh, wheel of time. Oh, wheel of time. All right, that's gonna do it for the trailer part. Most of these, as I was going through these trailers, guys, end of January into March, kind of a big few, you know, couple months for Netflix with all the stuff that they're rolling out and, and kind of rolling things out in a big way. So they are they are making their push. They're getting stuff out there. They, you know, as they film some of their other things, you know, Stranger Things is coming back soon. They're now currently filming that. This is a this is a big time for Netflix and these series. A lot of them, very very interesting. Cobra Kai season six, not far off. It's Cobra Kai out. season. There yeah. you go. A lot it's, of good stuff going on. Up. We got to catch up on our boy Miguel. And Tony's favorite, so, The Witcher season four. God, I can't forget oh, that. Oh boy, it's coming, baby. Lock and Key Season 4 just announced. No. Congratulations. Snowball. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the ball's returned. All right. We are going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little video games and IPs and public domain. It's going to be a lot of fun, so stick around. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Welcome back everyone to Bandwagon Nerds, Patrick O'Dowd, PC Tony, David Ungar, and Ray Cash here bringing you the final segment. Before we do that, remember, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Invest in one of our awesome chair shot shirt designs, $19.99, or spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Get the BWN shirt. Get that Bandwagon Nerd shirt. We want you to have it. We want you to represent our fine programming, and we will thank you publicly if you are the next person to buy one here on these internet wrestling airwaves. All right, fellas, I wanted... I, both of these topics that we are about to talk about have been floating around the industry in, in in some unique ways, and I just find the whole exercise fascinating. And I titled the first one that we're going to talk about as a tale of two video game executives because this week we got two very very different takes on the direction of video game media 
And to in some level, in my opinion, just sort of media in general, because this is not just true and unique to video games. I think Dave, Ray, and Tony will agree with you in that digital media has been the trend of where things are going. So much so that box stores like Best Buy have stopped selling physical Blu-rays at their stores because they don't make money anymore because everybody wants to do a digital download. And the thing that's really interesting about that and, and sort of the old man yells at cloud thing that we've talked about is then the concept of ownership and do you really own a thing if you download it? It's easy to understand why it's so popular to switch to a digital download version uh, of, a, of a property because it's cheaper for the producer of the content. And it's very, very convenient for the consumer, right? The consumer doesn't have to leave their house. They, they get a code that they can then use to their device, download, boom, you've got the film. Um, what is interesting, though, is the question of whether people are truly behind it uh, when it comes to things like streaming them through subscriptions. And we got two different takes on that out of the gaming world. And we'll start with our good friend over at Ubisoft, uh, where an executive director, an executive at Ubisoft basically said the gamers need to get comfortable, quote, with not owning their games for subscriptions to take off. And this was a speech that was given by Philippe Tremblay, who's the director of subscriptions at Ubisoft, um, during a, a conversation discussing the launch of Ubisoft's new Ubisoft Plus Premium and Ubisoft Plus Classics subscriptions. And he explained that what needs to happen before subscription services become a more significant slice of the video game business that, quote, I don't have a crystal ball, but when you look at the different subscription services that are out there, we've had a rapid expansion over the last couple of years, and it's still relatively small to the other models. We're seeing the expansion on console as the likes of PlayStation and Xbox bring new people in, PC from a Ubisoft standpoint, it's already been great, but we're looking to reach out more on PC, so we see opportunities there. One of the things we've seen is what that gamers are used to a little bit like DVD, having and owning their games. That's the consumer shift that needs to happen. They've got comfortable not owning their CD or DVD collection. That's a transformation that's been a bit slower to happen in games. As gamers grow comfortable in that aspect, you don't lose your progress. If you resume your game at another time, your progress file is still there. That's not been deleted. You don't lose what you've built in the game or your engagement with the game. So it's about feeling comfortable with not owning your game. I still have two boxes of DVDs. I definitely understand the gamer's perspective with that. But as people embrace that model, they will see that these games will exist. The service will continue and you'll be able to access them when you feel like. That's reassuring. Now, before we comment on this as, as you know, we shake our heads in disappointment and disagree, and I think we're probably mostly in the same place, um, a, a, contra a contrasting opinion came back from Larry and boss Sven Vinke, who says that subscription-based future could be savage. And for those of you who don't know, Larian Studios produced 2023 Game of the Year, Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and Larian has been the polar opposite of what Ubisoft is trying to do. And in fact, they ruled out the possibility of Baldur's Gate 3 heading to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, and we now know the studio has no intention of bringing the RPG to any subscription service. And 
in a he he put a really lengthy state statement on X, but Vinky said that developers should always look to sell direct to players and claimed it's going to be a lot harder to produce stellar games if subscription services become the dominant model. He says idealism needs room to exist. He says there's nothing wrong. Uh, sorry. He says that subscription models will always end up being cost slash benefit analysis exercises intended to maximize profit. He says there's nothing wrong with that, but it may be, but it may not become a monopoly of subscription services. We are already all dependent on a select group of digital distribution platforms, and discovery and discovery discoverability is brutal. Should these platforms all switch to subscription, it'll become savage. In such a world, by definition, the preference of the subscription service will determine what games get made. And trust me, you really don't want that. So there's a couple of different things at play here uh, when you look at this. And one is the, the concept of what you own. But two is this idea of what will the content you get be available if we go to a if subscription based models really take over the way that this Ubisoft director seems to be uh, one we've seen time and time again that subscription based models doesn't mean that you buy a thing and you get to keep it forever they're taking shit away from you all the time whether that be your streaming service like max which takes things off or netflix and you know the rotation as you try to track what you actually have available is actually available to stuff that you would actually own in fact the playstation network caught shit because they pulled games that people bought off of their streaming or off of their their service and so you lost the game that you thought you bought gentlemen i turn it over to you we'll start with ray because ray is is nodding the most vigorously as i talk so i feel like there's my out my first ally i i appreciate the valerian studio take on this and i don't think that's a hot take at all uh but your thoughts just on these two sort of contrasting views and where do we realistically think we're going to be at the end of all of it, I, I think the idea behind forcibly changing the way we purchase games or 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 um, bring games home to use to force us to to do a, a um, subscription model, I think is dangerous and disgusting. They've already changed the, practically every game we play to have some form of loot crate, virtual currency type deal where you can't play the whole game because you got to buy this to do that, or if you want to play this, you got to buy that, or whatever. They've already, that every game's already been made that. Me and Dave talked about the Avengers game when it came out all those years ago, which was ruined because you can't play the whole game without buying this and buying that and buying this and buying that. You can now, Ray. Well, yeah, I know they changed it, but I mean, and to their credit... The time, but you can't do yeah, anything to their with credit, it. You can't get the game now. That's true, too. They took it off the market. But, and to their credit, they're one of the few people... One of the few um, games or 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 um, companies that actually listen to the complaints and fix the complaints. So pick ups to them. And it's but a I just solid think, yeah. game now with everything in it. Well, I don't care no more. <laughs> we <We've, laughs> we we've moved on to Spider Man Two, Spider Man Two, and we're waiting for the Suicide Squad game and the Wolverine game. You know, but but Are ultimately, we really the, waiting for the Suicide Squad game based on the I want to play. For the story, I, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I like Gotham Knights is another guys, one that I, I want to play. Oh, I do too. But also, shout out to the homies Mojo. I want to, you know, big up some Mojo with that. Um, ultimately, I just think it's it 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 is it goes to show that the country and the capitalistic ideal 
has completely changed from what I think it initially was. Like, it's one thing to make money. It's one thing to get rich. And look, I don't begrudge anybody for wanting to get rich. But when you're taking away people's rights. Now, I know this is dicey. I'm not a legal. I'm not a legalarian. That's not a word. But, you know, what I say this isn't what I do. But there's a massive difference between me paying for a service that allows me to watch movies and them changing movies out regularly and me purchasing a game and you pulling that game from me. It's a big difference. And, 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 you know, maybe it's in the, maybe it's in the, um, fine print that we're not buying these games. We're actually just paying for the license to use them. That's the case. You've been fucking us over all these years. Cause you never told us because give you some, some, some backstory. I am primarily a person who buys the digital versions of everything I buy. All my games are digital. All my movies are digital. So it's like, if you start pulling that on me, I'm screwed. Like, I wish I was Tony that bought the physical copies now. And I would always look at my homeboys crazy, like, what you got a physical copy for? You ain't even going to use that. Well, looks like I was a fool. And I can guarantee you this. Maybe I'm wrong because you said you want to know where we end up going. I do think that they moved to this in some form or fashion to be a bit more of the norm. But I also believe that the business of video games is going to irreparably change. And I think the numbers of, um, you know, uh, things like Steam and people um, pirating stuff and, you know, stuff like that is going to go way up because people aren't going to pay all this money for stuff like this. Like, I know you love Baldur's Gate, Patrick. Would you pay Baldur's Gate if you knew you couldn't play it in two years because they pulled it from the from the thing? I don't think people would do yeah. that willingly. No, not at all. And what's what's really it's funny for to me is because I I own I bought Baldur's Gate and I I only own it digitally because at the time it wasn't released physically right away. It was released uh, on PC first digitally, mm-hmm. then released to PlayStation Five digitally, and most recently Xbox One. Digitally, but not part of a subscription service that you had to have to ha- to get it. It was a, it's a digital download that you buy, uh, and then you you have the they have the data, and so you can put it on like a flash drive or whatever if you if you have the space. Uh, but they have now since released a physical copy that people can buy, and I'm tempted to spend another seventy dollars to have a physical copy because it's something you have in hand, and and it's a disc, and I can put that in my place but i and i'm sorry dave tony i didn't let you chime in we're gonna come to a day where you buy a video game system and there's no place to put a disc or put something into play there already are right you can buy ps5 and this buy right. ones that are digital digital versions cheaper right but but you Much still cheaper. have the option to do so um, and ps5 recently when they were going to release a slim model initially we're only going to release the slim model without a disc. It was going to be download only, and the uproar was enough that they walked back on it. So it's still kind of there. Dave, you go ahead. You haven't commented. Well, I think in the context of these two guys in the comments, they they both are saying stuff that on some levels is true. Um, I, I don't buy the whole notion that people are hung up on. Well, I need to own this physical medium, or I, I, I because the EULA at the beginning of every game has been there forever and has been telling you forever. You do even if you own the physical copy, you don't own the game. They could, in theory, show up at your house and say, "Give it back to us." Um, you only have a license to play. Now they're not going to do that, but mm. I, I think the bigger problem with the subscription base is like I look at the big three and the way they do things. A- Xbox has Game Pass, PlayStation Five has PS Plus Ultimate, 
they're subscription services, and yeah, they give you some stuff every month for free, at least temporarily. And they'll offer you some discounts here and there to get games at a better price. But I compare that to like Nintendo Switch and the and the Nintendo Online thing, the Switch Online thing. You pay one price for a whole year, and you can access everything. Now that's different than what these guys are talking about. Where pay us monthly. You can uh, access some stuff that we're going to select, and then we're going to pull it off eventually. So if you don't download it in that time, you can't get it. And we're going to give you some good discounts on some other games. Um, so there's a difference there to me. Some games, Baldur's Gate is not a game. Like It's like Elder Scrolls Five, Skyrim or something. If they had done that on a subscription-based service, both games would have just crashed because people would be like, no, I, I want my whole experience. I want to be able to do this. And, and it's not suitable for like a world of warcraft sort of subscription based mmos are one thing you know you can do that but so i i don't know man i i think like i don't know if these subscription services like i get ubisoft doing it let's put all of our shit on this platform and if you want to access any of this classic stuff yeah you can either buy it through steam or come through us i get it but i don't think it's it's an issue of i want to own this that's driving this problem it's more an issue of what am i getting in return for paying you for this subscription service and my return on my return on this isn't good enough for me to say yeah let me let me go ahead and just pay you a month and then pay on top of that to get more and all i'm doing is paying it's not not the microtransactions that ray talked about it's macro transactions more it's like i'm going to pay the service and i'm going to pay on top of that to get this and get that and get this and it's just a lot to you know dump on the consumer right now honey how do you feel about this it's kind of funny it's like when the movie industry um sued was it vhs um for the like you couldn't do so you couldn't record your uh you couldn't record and play something at home <laughs> and look where we're at now um I, I would love to have like a, a a a digital recorder for anything then you can just go ahead and whatever you're watching record and pop it right in where you need it i'm sure you can do that but I don't know. I don't really care. As as much as I'm the guy who's brought up, I have physical copies of things from the past. I completely own tons of digital content. I don't own any video games that I put in a disc anymore. So, like, I'm I'm totally behind the subscription thing's fine for me as someone who doesn't consistently play the same thing over and over. Like, I'll play something, finish it, move on. Yeah. See, I I, I don't do that. Absolutely. Like we were talking about Baldur's Gate three. I I have I have created four different gameplays. <laughs> with four different character types that are at various points in the game. Uh, and part of that is a credit to the developers and the game that they've made that it has that kind of replayability, in my opinion, because it really does. It, it really is never the same game twice, depending on how you play it, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I do think it's interesting. There is this, uh, in the music world, there is this interesting resurgence in the desire for physical media as you look at the comeback of vinyl and and how that sort of, become this progress as people start to look at what can happen with music if you don't have the right service or subscription service at your fingertips where you can you can find music going away so i i agree with you guys i think that digital content is here to stay like that's that it's naive to think otherwise it's just really interesting to see two different companies and how they approach it like in, in larian's um approach they, they have been amazing about continuing to rework and tinker and work with their game without taking it away from you um, and not allowing another company to take it away from its consumer. And I think that's the thing that's really interesting is like PlayStation can't take away my copy of Baldur's Gate 3. Larian could 
if they wanted to. But because I'm not getting it through PlayStation subscription service where I paid PlayStation to then be able to play the game on their service, like they can't take it away that way. Go ahead, Dave. Do you think like part of this mentality, you know, you look at these two companies in different mentality, obviously Ubisoft, a much bigger publisher than Larian is i mean and, and i mean so they're looking at it from we've got a much bigger library we've got a lot more uh things that we can do to really leverage this subscription service so let's extol the virtues of that whereas Larian is a relatively small company enjoying unbelievable success with this game of the year that everybody and their mother's playing um i'm just wondering if that's that's coloring their perceptions considerably i would imagine it is Oh, absolutely. I think, and that's something that Larian has the luxury of being able to do uh, with regards to their opinion, because Larian, like Larian's three biggest games were, were took literally years to develop because uh, Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2 were years apart from each other. And it was four years or so for Baldur's Gate 3. Like it took a lot of time. Um, now, I don't know what else... I. I know they're making other games, everybody. You don't don't jump in our comments and, and be like, well, Larian's making this, this, this. It's just that, you know, Larian's tentpole games, like they're not being asked to crank out another Baldur's Gate game tomorrow. Ubisoft, for example, is always looking towards the next Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, or, you know, as Far Cry so. or some shit like that. Yeah. Right. Amongst other things. So, oh, you know, digital's here to say it really is just uh, what will be the lesson and how does it, how does it, work with us and subscriptions are here to, stay, here to stay how do those companies manage them and what kind of stewards are they of the content that they keep all right let's head into our last story of the day this is again another story that's been out and around for a while um, with the tour, turn of the new year um, on january 1st there was all this news flowing around that mickey mouse famous disney icon mickey mouse has fallen into the public domain now First of all, let's be clear. Not every version of Mickey Mouse has entered into public domain. Only a couple of very specific versions of Mickey Mouse from the two iconic cartoons, Steamboat Willie and Plane Crazy, entered the public domain. And an early version of Minnie Mouse is also included as part of these iconic characters that have entered in the public probably the reason why this makes so much news and i'll ask dave to to support me on this one is the amount of effort and time that disney put in extending when mickey these mickey mouse representations entered into the public domain so much so that there was literally a bill passed in congress that was called the mickey bill um that that was dedicated to extending this into the public domain and basically disney's argument for a lot of this and trying to prevent it um, has to do with con conflating and confusing the branding if somebody is able to use mickey mouse for their own purposes now this isn't something that's new there are plenty of characters out there maybe not necessarily owned by disney but some are that have entered into the public domain uh, most notably, we got a horror uh, a horror movie version of A.A. A. Milne's uh, Winnie the Pooh because that entered into the public domain. Another version entered, it, entered, entered into it not too long ago. Disney princesses 
have been a part of the, or uh, certain princesses have been part of the public domain. Snow White, for example, is in the public domain. People can use it. Um, what is really interesting about this, uh, Tigger entered into the uh, public domain. Amy Milne's version of Tigger entered the public domain. Uh, and what I hope to get your opinion on, Dave, is just, it doesn't mean quite what the media wants you to think it means. Is that an accurate description? And can you just tell us a little bit about what it actually means versus what people think it means? That's yeah. where I'm leading to you as, as an expert. Right. And as you noted earlier, this is not my field of expertise. But um, yeah, I think you're right. It, it does not. Kids, you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, I don't think we can change Bandwagon Nerds logo to Mickey Mouse giving the middle finger to all these basement dwellers out there. Uh, that might get a cease and desist letter. But yeah, it's it's interesting that you know, Disney, normally these trademarks and these copyrights last like one year or something like that, or, you know, some really shortened period of time before something goes into the public domain, you know, and, and it's, and it's, it's free reign to use that. So the fact that Disney extended the steamboat Willie <laughs> prevented it for what, a hundred years, over a hundred years, basically yeah, 95 years, 95 it lasted 95 years. years, right? Basically. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's unheard of for any other industry to do that sort of thing. I mean, you see that <clears throat> kind of with music and things like that. But um, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating that, you know, Disney was so instrumental in keeping that tamped down. But you're right. It doesn't give you carte blanche to use everything that's related to that character. It's just very specific things that you can use for, you know, your own purposes and that and that sort of stuff. But I. I, I'm still reading up on it as we're recording to say, wow, that is that is kind of interesting what has happened on this thing. But like, like you're saying, yeah, I'm sure Disney was less than thrilled about the Winnie the Pooh horror movie <laughs> that came out and how he but was portrayed. It, but it wasn't Disney's version of Winnie the Pooh. Like, that's the other thing that I think people are confusing. It's like it had nothing like it was a Milne's book version of Winnie the Pooh. And like even this version of Tigger, it's it's a Milne's version of Tigger from House of Pooh Corner. Ray and Ray and Tony, I'm going to ask you guys this question. Do you think people were reasonably going to conflate any of these like intellectual property, public domain things as a Disney product? Because that because that really to me, that's the thing is like a reasonable person. Are they really going to think, oh, yeah, Disney made a Steamboat Willie horror movie and that's going to mess with Disney's image? It looks like Tony gestured to Ray. Ray, what do you think, man? There will inevitably be some people who aren't paying attention, who are just seeing things just not for content, but just, you know, scrolling through something. And there's inevitably going to be people who enjoy being ignorant and not finding out things and just like, oh, that's weird. You know, the people that's like, oh, I saw such and such. And did you know this and that? And know everything that they said was wrong because they just want to act like they're in the know. So inevitably, but you you y'all laid it out perfectly, and 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 this is this is the the Mickey when Disney was putting out racist movies, right? <laughs> so like it's been enough time. Like Steamboat Willie is so drastically different than what we're doing now that you just gotta not want to know. And I'm not talking like oh well, Wonder Man is so cool. I'm not talking like obscure Marvel characters. I'm talking like the the flagship of the company. Um, but there's going to be somebody that's going to say something stupid. Of course it is. And But you know what? You're not going to hear me stick up for Disney or any of these corporations a lot anymore after the past couple of years. But I'll stick up for them on this one thing. 
it's not their job to worry about your ignorance. Right. 100%. Sonny, do you have any upcoming Steamboat Willie projects that you, you I, I No, I don't. Um, and in fact, I have like a Bigger? Disney 100. No, I have a Disney 100 and it's not Steamboat Willie. It's uh, oh. the Mickey Mouse minifigure. I can um, see the quote, the tweet. Had a blast infringing on Disney's trademark today. Oh, I had a blast. <laughs> um, I think the fun part for people who are consuming the the entertainment side of it is that now these iconic things can also become profitable muses for talented creators to go ahead and put their spin on it. And I think that as people who are fans really get to witness a different take on what people interpreted when they saw these iconic things happen. So, yeah, I, um, I think it's, I think it's just a fascinating thing. And I think it's just something that a lot of people don't understand. And, and I think it's just important to understand, like, you know, every news corporation had like dedicated time on January 1st to talk about this. Every entertainment news outlet dedicated time to like talk about this. And it was like, this, this really doesn't mean what that, that word. I don't think that it means what you think that it means. Uh, it doesn't. So relax, everybody. Sherlock Holmes is still written by Arthur Conan Doyle. Tigger, Tigger still exists. Uh, but people can take some creative license and, you know, do things with those properties that you probably never imagined. And clearly there are folks that are twisted enough to do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting oh. to see what kind of Steamboat Willie variations we do get now as as like that's there's that's, already there's already yeah. two horror features that are that are coming out like they're already rolling with it like whatever like do your thing. Yeah, um, there's that's a Blood and Honey, too, that I'm sure will introduce Tigger now that he's available as well. Um, I can't wait for the hack and slash with Steamboat Willie just lopping the heads off people. That's going to be Tony. Yeah, I'm good. Tony will watch it. Good. In 3D. I don't even see it. Tony will watch it in 3D yeah. or 4X or whatever exactly. it is. He just took took off the glasses. Wow. All right. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's good enough for me. I'm going to move into what you're watching because uh, I don't I don't know that we need to dwell on this too much. And so today we'll start to my right, my upper right hand corner with uh, PC Tunney, who uh, hopefully had an awesome time recording with us today. And uh, we'll finish that up by telling us what you're watching. Wasn't awesome at all, but I did have a blast. Um... I know I was changing your language. See, I wanted to, I was, you know, clearly you didn't have a blast. I thought maybe would, you had an awesome time. Would you like me to bring it up or do you want me to wait for you to bring it up? Uh, if you want to talk about Echo, you can talk about it. I finished Echo. It's amazing. Um, anybody yes. who hasn't finished it, it's awesome. It left me wanting more, not only of Maya, but of Kingpin and where that whole thing's going. So Man, the cast they put in there and the story they told was phenomenal. It it almost seemed like a movie they decided to put into a series because if you really add up the amount of time there was on screen, it hmm. it would have been about two and a half plus hours. Um, because oh, like the, the the episodes were really just like twenty five, thirty minutes a piece. That's about it. Did you say movies that they made into a series. Mm. Last real I quick, checked, before, real, real, real quick, before you take before you take your victory lap, I need to do this. Uh, everybody, point at Dave and Boo. Oh, my, hasn't finished the series. My wife is sitting right here. They are booing me because I we have hey, not. Hey, they are booing us 
because we haven't finished Echo. I'm because bring, we can't I'm talk you. about Echo. I'm dragging you in, in on detail. This. All we could do is talk about how much uh, we enjoyed Echo. Just, just because you didn't finish it, we don't want to spoil. Just it for, for the record, Dave. Just for the they record, don't want to Dave. Spoil it for us. Huh? Just for the record, Dave. And and you know, you know, I you know how much love I got for you, but. Uh, Patrick, myself, and Ray are only booing you. Definitely not booing your wife whatsoever. Let, I will let her. They, are, they no, say they are never. They would never upset the lovely talented Mrs. They are not booing you, so they wanted to clarify that. Wouldn't we, dare because we figure it's Dave's Wouldn't fault. Dare. It's Dave's fault. I feel like I feel like that woman has put up with enough. Already. That woman does Why? put up with a lot. I mean, she really. <laughs> I mean, does. to live with that hairline, she's got to put to up live with, with this oh, hairline. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Patrick. Ooh! Wow. I'm a one-chair shop villain. Yeah. Wow. Commitment. What a commitment. She still likes me for some bitch. weird reason. Come here. Come here, Dave. Come get this hug because you need it. <laughs> oh, boy. Me. Whatever. Happy Ravens fan. Suck it. Ray, what are you watching, buddy? What are you watching? I had a blast watch? getting shit on by number one chair Tony, shop did you, villain. Tony, were today. you watching anything other than Echo? Did you watch anything else? I'm sorry. I, cut you, I don't want to cut you short. Or was Echo oh. the priority? Uh, I got DP to watch the floor and he's going crazy over it. Like, uh, I am. So watch the floor. I'll put that one out there again. Nice. Ray cash. Um, so first and foremost, I'm surprised I didn't mention it, but SNL's back. Jacob Elordi was on there last night. That was also a, a good time. Um, so I enjoyed that. Thank you. Um, you know, it's football season, you know, we're not gonna speak of that. We'll talk about that. Just and fell. Um, uh, but nothing that has been, um, Rented a major or major. I am going to watch this. I've been catching up on my favorite show of all time, Degrassi. So that's why I haven't been paying attention half the time. I'll turn my head because, you know, best show ever. Um, but Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, shit, the that DC came out, movie, didn't it? Will be bought this week for me. It's out. And um, um, for the for next week, gentlemen, Oscar nominations come out Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes, sir. So next week's going to be a big week. Well, we'll talk about how Barbie got snubbed. That's probably what we're going to end up talking probably. about. Probably. Right now. All of our not, shit It's not snubbed. getting love. It, it is not getting love. Um, in the same way, like, I, I'll, I'll be mad about Godzilla Minus One not getting nominated for stuff, too. But that's that's just me. Um, you know what? I'm going to go next. Dave, you hmm. can wait. Because we know what you're not watching, Dave. We know you're not watching Echo. That's for damn sure. Um, what... I did finish Echo after finally getting Disney Plus back. I I had to actually like contact Disney directly and work with their customer service uh, because for whatever reason Disney Plus was not reading the IP address that my router was providing. When you were on hold with Disney Plus at some point, did they reassure you that Vault's head is still frozen at the perfect temperature? No, because I I actually did it uh, via their uh, chat. I did not have to. Their their mm. their chat did not have hold music, I so Mickey they were came able to on do it and said, "Oh, you're screwed." No, I I now have Disney Plus back. Uh, caught up on Percy Jackson and the Olympians with the little O'Dowd. Yes, I'm just gonna keep <laughs> plowing through while day. Just don't do it. Like you've been no. waiting for three hours. <laughs> Dave, see what you did. You did that. Um, and it actually only took about twenty minutes. Uh, I did also finish up echo i finished up uh season one of monarch on apple tv plus and i will say it took um it only took until the ninth and tenth episodes for me to go oh what the fuck ever um but it did finally happen at the end i still enjoyed the series for what it was uh and uh the 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 playing around with time it, it wasn't the logical leap that that um I, it could have been. So I, I did appreciate that. Spoiler. 
Uh, if you have Apple TV, it's worth checking out. And then uh, I started rewatching. You guys asked me why I stick with Max. Uh, it's because they have shows that I just like to go back to. And I am rewatching the TV show Fringe, which was a show on, I believe it was Fox, uh, maybe uh, that follows the FBI Fringe Division, uh, starring John Noble and Anna Torv and uh, Joshua Jackson. And they are all part of the FBI Fringe Division where they investigate crimes that are unique and science fiction-y in nature. Um, everything grounded in some sort of science, uh, but, you know, just taken to a science fiction level. A lot, a lot of fun. Think the X-Files, um, but but different, more modern, and uh, still holds up pretty well. Like, enjoying that show on a rewatch thoroughly. Worth checking out if you have time to check out an old show. Joshua Jackson, lead singer of Three Doors Down. Not that Joshua Jackson, no. They're the same guy. Um, hey, by the way, we, we all spoke about Echo, which Dave can't speak about because he didn't. No, watch. I like Joshua Jackson, the actor. Just I don't, I don't care about Joshua Jackson, the singer. They can be the same guy. Like no, they can I, be the same dude. If you if you look at them, they've never been in the same room twice together. Right, yeah. Um, no, it's important to note, and we'll talk about it whenever Dave watches, which may be never, never. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, I, we've watched I'm episode sorry. one. We just got to get to the rest of. It. Just piled it on. Only- no, it's imp- it's important to note, and I think this is very important that. I need all of the all of the uh, studios to pay attention that the two biggest stars in the past year of Marvel, Alekwa Cox and Ahmad Vellani, came from open casting calls. It is possible, y'all. Open casting calls for a diverse character. And they have been, I think, largely, we all agree, the two best new things to happen to Marvel in the past 12, 15 months. So I, I think I think I would also throw in the resurgence of, of Kingpin as a viable uh, MCU sure. villain. Well, the Defenders verse in general, as we've talked about, just them all being back canon now is a big yes, deal. Good news. But again, let's not spoil it for Dave. He'll get to reach his conclusions. All right, guys, before we get out of here, coming up on two hours, let's do a quick once around. Remind everybody where they can find you on the socials and how to hear you on the Chair Shot Radio Network this year, uh, this time around. We will start with David Ungar. You can find me on the Twix, left or right, at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression, threads and Instagram at Attitude of Aggression, all one word. No hate tweets this week because my wife is telling me that we got to go. So you're spared this week, DPP. Fair enough. All right, Dave, we will see you later. I forgot to mention, he's a lawyer, everyone. The lawyer, David Ungar. All right. I can't leave because I got to cut the recording off. You guys got to do your job. That's true. Reverend, Reverend Raven S. Cashington, the 920-something thousandth. Did you just call him Raven S. Cashington? Well, he is wearing a Ravens jersey or a Ravens shirt today. I like that. Live live that move. Well, with with that being said, you can find, if you go to www.baltimoreravens.com, you can find me at the bank. Whoop, whoop, big trust. We in that thing. See y'all at the AFC Championship next week. Let's go, El Freaky, and uh, yeah, somewhere on tw- on the internet at it's Ray Cash. Take your choice. Thank you, Ray, and the guy who had an absolute blast recording the show this afternoon, Mister Saturday Night PC Tony. Uh, continue to listen to everything Patrick O'Dowd. You can follow him at Wrestling Realist. Uh, there's no I in there, but there is an I in friend. Apparently, um, I stole that from somebody. There's also a, there's also an I in fiend. ChairShot Radio Network on all your favorite streaming platforms. Don't forget about thechairshot.com. Always use your head. There's no I in heel, though. Fair enough. But there's as, no 
there is one in villain, and I am the number one chair shot villain. Also, make sure that you follow the show at Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter, in addition to myself. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. It's been a great episode. Now, make sure you get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, scope out those Oscar nominations. Don't be like Dave. Finish Echo, watch it, and have an absolute blast when you do it. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. He didn't fall? Inconceivable. You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.